For nearly 20 years, my guest today chose to live a double life, partly out of fear of what would happen if her secret was revealed. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and I am very honored to introduce a very special woman to you today, whom I also call a friend. Laura Lynn Jackson is a wife, a mother, a high school English teacher, a speaker, a New York Times bestselling author, and a certified psychic medium. Laura Lynn, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Liz. It's such an honor. It's great to have you here. You are not a fortune teller and you don't read tea leaves, but you are both a psychic and a medium. And it's my understanding that they're kind of slightly different, but they do work in concert. Can you explain the difference to us? Sure. And I think that's such a great point to make um, the distinction between the two. Being a psychic means that I read energy. You know, we all have an aura. We all have this kind of energy field around us. And in that energy field is all sorts of information about our past, our present, our future, people that we're connected to in the here and now, things that have happened to us. Being a medium means that I can connect with the consciousness of people who have left their physical bodies. So they are very different things. The way that I perceive both are through similar means, using psychic and intuitive abilities to make those connections, but they're definitely different experiences. In your first New York Times bestselling book, The Light Between Us, you explain that we are all tied to our loved ones by what you call cords of light, and that these cords of light can never be broken. And I'm guessing that that's what you're talking about when you say the energy that we have. Can you explain that a little bit further? I've come to understand that we're all souls in physical bodies and our soul energy is comprised of light. The people that we love here, the people who we make connections to, it's as if like this beautiful cord of light grows between us and that person and is forever there. When we are here on earth having these loving connections with people, for example, I will see that cord of light going from one person to the next, and I can kind of read an energy stream. And when people we love cross to the other side, that cord of light stays. That connection, that loving connection is always present. And so we are forever connected to those we love, even when they're no longer in physical form. Well, for years, you've been using your gifts to help grieving parents and people connect with loved ones on the other side. And it started with an organization called the Forever Foundation. Can you explain how your process works in connecting to the other side? I think every psychic medium is different, but for me, I get all my information appearing on a screen that goes on in my mind, kind of like this third eye inner screen. All my psychic information comes on the left-hand side of my screen, and all my mediumship comes on the right-hand side of my screen. And just to clarify a bit, when I read psychically, it's I retrieve information. I reach out and I retrieve it. Mediumship is very different because it's more of a sitting back and receiving. What will happen is a point of light will push in on the, the right-hand side of my screen, and I'll be receiving information from somebody who's crossed. And sometimes that information might be a name or how the person crossed, but more than anything, it'll be loving messages for the people they love who are still here on earth. It's a very beautiful experience. And, you know, I've been part of the Forever Family Foundation for, I think, over 15 years now. And it's such a beautiful organization because it, it tests psychic mediums to make sure that 
we are able to be proficient, you know, and accurate. And then we're allowed to volunteer um, and donate our time to help people in grief. Mm -hmm. So it's a really beautiful organization and it really helped guide me on my path. It's very important right now that I share with our listeners that your gifts have been tested. They've been verified and certified by some of the most prominent scientific organizations who study paranormal phenomena. And you even had to pass an eight-step quintuple blind screening. That's five blind screenings that were administered by scientists. And your brain has even been studied and mapped. And it operates differently, especially when you're doing those readings. And you talked about the screen on the left and the screen on the right. What happens to your brain when you do these kinds of readings? What have scientists told you? For a psychic medium, I'm not a really woo-woo person. I'm very grounded. I'm a bit of a critical <laughs> thinker, and I'm always interested in what my abilities mean for humanity. In other words, I don't think I'm the only one who can do this. I think we're all born with these abilities, and just some of us maybe are stronger at them or practice them more or are more open to them. So I wanted to find out, like, what does my brain look like? How will that impact how others can do this? And it was actually really interesting what the scientists told me. So they did uh, EKG of my brain when I was in normal talking mode, like I am right now, and then when I switched into reading mode. See, for me, it's two different modes, ways of being. When I walk around day to day, I can never shut off, let's say, the psychic part of, of my perceptions. I'm always feeling people's energy. I'm always seeing people's in, people in colors, and that, that's fine. It's not very distracting. It's more like a helpful tool. But the mediumship is very different. It's very draining to do. It's, uh, it's very consuming. So when I'm in normal talking mode, like I am now, all my brainwave activity was focused in what's called the frontal lobe of my brain. That's the part of the brain that meditation teachers call the monkey mind. It's bound in like logic and reasoning. And then we have other parts of our brain that are very much associated with spiritual experiences. And those are like towards the middle, towards the back. And so what they found is that when I switched from normal talking mode into reading mode, my frontal lobe of my brain, the brainwave activity silenced. And it looked like in clinical terms, I was comatose or at very best in a very, very deep meditation and not awake. Only I was very much awake and speaking and communicating. What the scientists seemed to say to me was that there's an access between like the logical kind of chattering monkey mind and the spiritual connection. And that I seem to know how to turn it on and off and stay awake and conscious <laughs> while I'm doing it. But I think it has great implications for all of us because I think I love teaching workshops for people on how to open to this and to teach people that nobody ever needs to go to a psychic medium to feel their loved ones on the other side and get their messages and have these communications. This can be a beautiful tool we can all experience and use in our own waking lives too. Mm. The one thing is that when most people sleep at night, their brain will do what mine does when I do a reading. The frontal lobe will quiet and silent for the first time. And that's why a lot of people will have like dream visitations by people they love who have crossed in their sleep. Uh -huh. Sometimes people will have precognitive dreams that guide them. That's when we really get much more spiritual. Our brains need to kind of go offline to do that. But yeah, I was fascinated by that and what it meant for all of us, not just for me. Oh, it is fascinating. As a child, you write about the fact that you just simply felt different. And at six years old, you proclaimed to your mom that you thought you were psychic. <laughs> what did she tell you at six years old? 
I have been very blessed on my journey with being surrounded by unbelievably supported light-filled teachers and guides here on earth. And my mom is definitely one of those. You know, every time on my journey where I got to a moment of epiphany or understanding about my own abilities or how I might label them, I was never met with with laughter or derision or being told that I was wrong. I was taught to embrace the world around me and my abilities as, as a great journey, a great journey of exploration. And I was raised by two teachers who taught me to be a critical thinker and a critical thinker doesn't just make a rash decision about how they feel about something. They come up with a question and then they explore it and they're led to an answer. My mom basically said to me, look, every part of you is beautiful and is meant to be explored. And so that's wonderful. Carry on. You know, she kind of told me too that these psychic abilities had run in a, on her side of the family for generations. And I felt less odd and less alone, but that maybe I was part of a club I wasn't sure I wanted to be in yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I also know that there was a, a period of time, particularly in your younger life, where you just really didn't want anything to do with these abilities. I mean, granted, they helped you in high school on the soccer field. You said the psychic abilities, you know, to know where the ball is going to be. But you turned them off for a while, right? When you're a child, you just really want to fit in, number one. You don't want to be the weird one or the one that sticks out. And and I think for me, too, is a, a journey of understanding what my abilities were, but more profoundly, what the role of them was meant to be in my life. I couldn't really understand what I was supposed to do with them. I would know if somebody I loved was going to cross, or I would know when I met people, how many siblings they had, or if their parents were divorced or married. And I would, I would know certain things, but I couldn't connect the dots of like how that was supposed to be used in my life and my path. And it really wasn't until I began to understand how this information can be used to help heal people and guide people and help us all see a much bigger picture of beautiful connection that is there for each and every one of us on our journeys that I began to really respect and embrace them the right way. So I definitely did go through a period of A, not wanting them, you know, B, right. wanting to reject them, C, probably misusing them a bit in college, <laughs> like <laughs> going up to, you know, a guy and saying, oh, well, I know this about you and, you know, that sort of thing or using them to guide me. But ultimately it was a surrendering to the understanding that they were meant to be used to help guide others. They weren't really just for me, you know, and it was more of like an understanding that we could all have about just how loved we are by people here and by our, what I call our team of light on the other side, this God energy, our, our own spirit guides, you know, these angelic beings that watch over us and our loved ones who have crossed, you know, we're, none of us are alone. And what's more is we're all so important to each other's journeys. You know, we're all here on earth having this collective lesson in love. Being open to my abilities and embracing that and respecting that made me understand that. And I think that's, that's just such a beautiful truth that if we all embraced, it could change our lives in the most extraordinary and meaningful ways. Mm. You kept this pretty much a secret. You kind of kept these two worlds apart. You were teaching Macbeth and the Grapes of Wrath <laughs> by day. <laughs> and then you were doing these private readings by night. But eventually these two worlds merged because word spread at school. Yeah. And you at that time finally kind of said, I guess I need to honor my authentic self. Share with us what happened. 
as yeah, to how you yeah. were sort of, you were, you were uncovered. <laughs> right. Yeah. That took a long time for me to figure out the role that these abilities was meant to have in my life. I was teaching high school English, but I was also volunteering for that organization. We discussed the Forever Family Foundation and I was running these parallel lives. You know, I'm married to an attorney and he was like, you have to be really careful about this. If the people at school find out you're doing this, you could get fired. And this is really important. So I was trying to do it very secretively, but I had agreed to do this beautiful fundraiser at a local university. I went by my middle name when I read. So I was going by like Lynn Jackson, not just my full name, Laura Lynn Jackson. And one of the teachers at my school came up to me and was like, I just bought tickets to this event and I think this is you. Is this you? And everybody in our department is going. And so the cat was out of the bag and I had to go on this long walk to the principal's office to confess, like I'm doing this other thing and is this okay? And like I said before, I've been surrounded with the most beautiful support system. The principal that I had, she said, who's around me right now. <laughs> her mom came through, like all, the, all these really beautiful messages of healing by, by, with her name and all sorts of things. She called the superintendent and they discussed it and they decided, no, I could absolutely still volunteer my time and do this as well as teach. I imagine, though, Laura Lynn, along the way, you've had non-believers in your gift, including your own brother at one point in time. <laughs> yes. Can you read your family? You know, you can. That's the weird thing. But here's the issue of reading people you're close to. You love them so much that you always want to write happy endings. Yeah, I actually, I can read my family members mm -hmm. and I can get very accurate information for them. I just can't counter it or change it. I have to deliver it as it comes. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I know your brother, your brother's a believer now and, and they can read the whole story in the book. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very true. But you know, I always honor and respect where people are in their belief system too. I'm not here to convince anybody. I'm just here to share my experiences and, and invite people into their own experiences of testing it for themselves of, you know, seeing what happens when they open to it. I, I get why people are skeptical. I'm skeptical too. You know, I'm one of the biggest skeptics. It took me decades to embrace and understand it and honor it. So I get that. I get that way of thinking. Mm. You believe the other side can make anyone a messenger. And you even said a little while ago that we really don't need a psychic medium to communicate with loved ones. And that's really what your second book is about, Signs, the Secret Language of the Universe. What is the secret language of the universe, Laura Lynn? We are all interconnected and that we are not only connected to people in the here and now and affecting other people's journeys in profound ways that we can't possibly fathom. We are also connected to this beautiful team of light on the other side that helps to guide us on our path and helps to bring us together with other individuals we're meant to connect with here. And the idea that that's not a silent kind of unseeable connection. The secret language of the universe are the synchronicities and the meaningful messages and symbols and signs that we will get showing us that we are not alone, showing us that we're on our highest path, showing us that we're meant to have connections with certain people here, and also letting us know that the people we love who are on the other side are still very much part of our lives and very much involved in our lives. And it's not just a feeling of having the person's presence around, although that certainly is a very real and valid thing. It's the idea that you can talk back and forth and you can talk back and forth without going through a medium. But more than that, our loved ones and our guides and God energy sometimes too will send us like signs. You know, I always talk about default signs that they send. This is what they've shown me that 
they'll send some default ones, which are oftentimes putting coins in our path, pennies, dimes, and nickels. And I think that's because it's easy for them to, once there's energy, light energy on the other side, to manipulate like small metallic objects. And then they'll also mess with our electrical devices. Back in the day, it was like the TV and the lights flickering. But now that we have like iPhones and so forth, they love to do all sorts of things. And then they'll also send us what I call, you know, certain creatures that I have found navigate the earth using electromagnetic fields. So specifically birds, butterflies, ladybugs, deer even. Any creature that navigates using electromagnetic fields, I think are really easy for them to guide into our path. But beyond that, we can ask for anything we want. We can ask for something specific. We could say, you know, and make it concrete. Don't say just send me an elephant. Say send me a purple elephant. We can ask for songs. A lot of times they'll send us songs that are meaningful. Number sequences even like 1111444. The universe is founded on sacred geometry. And so they often talk to us in numbers, phrases, names, like attention to the magic that's going on around you. Because the truth is our team of light is always with us. And they're always trying to let us know that and guide us and lead us on our highest path. And help us see like the beauty and connection that's all around us at all times. Okay, I want you to pick, you have so many stories, but can you pick one that where you asked for a sign, a very specific sign and what it was supposed to mean to you and what happened? I'll share one of probably the most powerful ones that happened to me pretty early on. I had asked my guides on the other side and my loved ones, I kind of combined it, to send me monarch butterflies whenever I was on my highest path or whenever something really powerful was going to happen to help guide me. And I remember, and this of course is years ago, I was on Jones Beach, which is on Long Island, and I was actually there watching my brother compete in a triathlon. And I was there with my mother and all of a sudden there was absolute beautiful amount of monarch butterflies cloaking the entire sky, like landing all around me and coming to me. And, and at the same time, I felt this really profound sense of this is, this is my sign, this is my message. And I remember turning to my mom and saying, my gosh, what's about to happen in my life that my team of light, they're, they're sending me this. And the next morning I found out, complete surprise, I was pregnant with my first child. Having my first child really opened me up even more psychically. So when she arrived, it was like I couldn't stop the flow of information. You know, we had spoken about how at times I had tried to ignore my abilities or turn them off. And at that point in my life, I wasn't really honoring them to help others or using them in a a certain way. But when she arrived, it's like the volume level of my own abilities went from like three to like a 10 on a volume switch. And so I think there was this profound kind of soul cycle path I was entering into too. So to date, that is probably the most profound when I've had. I mean, I have so many other stories of incredible like messages and signs that I'll get in real time where literally you ask for it and like five seconds later you get the sign. That's not just specific to me. That can happen for anyone. So I always tell people like, test it. Don't believe me. Test it. Try it yourself. Come up with a sign and see how you get it. But be open to how it might appear. It might not appear as actually like a physical thing. It might be a picture of it or somebody might say it or whatever it might be. Wow. I want to come back to this, this point about turning it on and turning it off, because I do have a friend who believes she has this gift, and she wants zero part of it, and <laughs> says that she's turned it off. She doesn't want to listen to the guides when the information comes through. She's like, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I remember at a book signing that I attended of yours for the book signs, that you say that when you are sort of in that speaking mode and you're getting up in front of people you're able to turn that off. And you got frustrated at one point because you said, 
there was a guy asking a question and you said, oh my gosh, I've got to tell you this because this guide kept coming through, <laughs> kept coming through, kept coming through. So explain to us a little bit about the turning off and turning on because in that moment, you were being almost forced to direct and share content with this person. Yeah, and that can happen. I call that the VIP line. So long ago, I decided, okay, I'm going to turn all this over to my spirit guides to be what I call my spiritual bouncers on the other side. They will know when to have me open, when I'm shut. And if ever there's a certain message that is meant to come through, I will honor that. But for the most part, when I'm closed, it's something I've learned. I need to respect my own boundaries and my own physical abilities as well. And all my psychic medium friends will say this too. Like when you do readings, it's all energy work and it can be extremely depleting. And actually, you know, I'm part of um, a group of mediums who through the Windbridge Research Institute, we all signed up to, to do research. This is all energy work and it can really drain you and it can have a very negative physical effect. And so I learned early on that if I'm in this and I want to do this, I also have to honor my own boundaries and my own physicality. It's almost like opening this kind of bank vault door that I've slammed shut. And to do a reading, it's like I almost jump up with my energy into this kind of loft space, like a little bit higher than my own physical energy. But every now and then information will bleed through because like I said, I put my guides in charge and sometimes the other side, they see it as a window and they get permission from my guides and they come through. But what I've learned to trust is it's always on the highest path for us all. And so if that happens, I respect and honor that as long as it doesn't happen too often, which it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> and you, you mentioned just a moment ago, the Winbridge Institute for Applied Research and Human Potential, which is where you did that eight-step quintuple blind screening. And I remember in reading in the book, one of the things you were worried about in the screenings was the fact, will anybody come through? Will I actually be able to get information on the spot when I'm being tested? And you did. Yeah, that was pretty uh, powerful experience to go through. You know, it's, it's also surrendering to the trust that the other side's really in charge of it all. The monkey brain says like, how can this possibly happen? It was quintuple blinded, meaning the researcher would give me a name of somebody who was on the other side and would not have any idea whether my answers were right or wrong, because they would have no idea about that person. And the questions were very concrete, like what did this person look like? How did they cross? All sorts of details of the person's life. A lot of skeptics talk about this concept of cold reading, which is the idea that people who claim that they can communicate with the deceased, they're just really picking up on yes or no, right or wrong clues that the sitter, the person sitting and getting the information is giving us. That experiment that testing, it was designed to eliminate any possible cold reading, whether cold reading was done on purpose or inadvertently, like it just eliminated that that could be it at all. And so the only way for any of that to work and to pass this like really rigorous test was for communication to be a very real thing. Where else could I be getting information from than from somebody who was deceased? So it was really fascinating. It's really a, an extraordinarily beautiful process to go through. And it was very specific information that A, did come through, but had to come through in order for you to achieve this level of certification. And a very few handful of people have achieved that level. Yeah, you know, but I really do think it's like implications for us all, right? Because if anybody can do it, we could all do it. That's the thing. So the fact that that can happen, that that did happen, that it eliminated any possibility for any other explanation from it, it's a profound meaning for all of us. It just means so much about our time here on earth and what we're meant to be doing with it as well. 
You know, many people search for answers of why are we here and what is our life's purpose? And with COVID-19, I think there have been a lot of lessons that have hopefully been learned. I'm curious to know if you agree with the fact that lessons are being learned and what do you think some of those lessons might be? Oh, a thousand percent. I agree with that. One thing that I've always seen true here is how interconnected we all are. And I think so many of us are isolated and so many people feel alone and they don't feel connected to others and they feel like their life is in a bubble and what they do won't really affect others. And you know, they don't feel the love and connection here on earth and they don't feel the love and connection on the other side. But the truth of the matter is we are all inextricably linked. I think COVID-19 has shown us that. I mean, the fact that somebody who is like half a globe away could profoundly impact your life in a short period of time was something we probably never thought about. And yet it's true because we are all linked to each other. We're all here on earth having this gigantic, unbelievable lesson of unconditional love together. And we all play a role in other people's lives. So it's almost ironic because right now we're forced into isolation. We're physically isolated from each other. And yet within that is this gleaming truth of how unbelievably interconnected we are. And we are having these experiences of unbelievable kindness, I'm seeing, you know, done to each other. I have a sense of community, even in that physical isolation that's happening. And our understanding that we are all in this together. We're starting to see how dependent we all are on each other as well, like for basic things like food and all sorts of things. And in seeing that, it's also helping us understand gratitude for that. And that's a beautiful thing too, because love and gratitude and forgiveness, those three ways of feeling, those are our highest ways of being here. I'm going to put you on the spot because I'm curious of what's running through my head right now. Maybe you know what's running through my head right now. <laughs> Did you have a sense as a psychic or even as a medium? that something like this was going to happen? You may not have known it was COVID-19 or a full mm -hmm. pandemic, but did you have a sense, an energy, a vibration, something that hinted that something was coming our way? Yes. The answer is yes. The funny thing about me is I'm very much like in my own life and doing this. And so sometimes I'll interpret things a certain way. The first thing was every year for New Year's Eve, I get asked to be on TV and do predictions in some way. And I never honor that because my thing with New Year's Eve is to spend it at home with my family on the couch, just snuggling and doing that. But this year I thought, okay, I'm just going to take a look for myself psychically, what I see for the coming year on a global way. And oh my gosh, Liz, what I saw, it was not good. The main message was that we were completely out of touch with our earth and each other, and that this year was going to be a reckoning of that because everything is energy and everything is energy grids. And if things are out of balance, there's a tipping point and we were at it. And I saw terrible disturbances of what I'd call like the natural world, fires and earthquakes and hurricanes and really odd weather patterns. I saw that. And then I saw a really disturbing sense of like us being ill with each other. But I interpreted that as more like a social illness. I felt like, okay, well, we're not honoring each other's light. So that's going to somehow be taught to us as well. I didn't at the time recognize like that illness I was seeing as a pandemic, but I did see that it was manifesting or it's going to be shown to us that we're not treating each other and our natural world in a respectful and loving way or honoring it the way we need to or appreciating it in the way we need to. So in retrospect, that's exactly what they were showing me. Now, the second thing they did for me is I got a download. 
I love doing readings, but what I love so much is I love being a teacher in the world. And since I've written two books, I, I had to resign from my high school English teaching position because I was writing a second book and I couldn't do both. And so I waited till I got my download and guidance and the other side told me, this is your path now. You need to write this book and you need to be a teacher to others of this. And so I started really embracing my sense of being a teacher in the world. I was just teaching in a new way, a new subject, so to speak, which is about our interconnection and our ability we all have and our own intuitive abilities. And my guides gave me a download on this probably around November and said, okay, we're going to be absolutely having you do this in a global way. You're going to be doing workshops, but you're not doing it at all for 2020. This is all for 2021 and beyond. I always tell my husband my downloads. I came in really excited and I said to him, great news. I'm going to be doing all these workshops. I'm so excited. They told me I'm a teacher in the world. I'm going to be teaching this, but not for 2020. And my spin on that was my oldest daughter had her first baby. And so she was due in January. She had her first baby. And I said, I know what my guides are doing. They're just not having me go do workshops all around the world for 2020 because I'm meant to be here and I'm meant to help guide her and take care of this baby and do that. And I said to him, so you know what? I'm just going to do local workshops. And I did that. I set up local workshops seven minutes away from my home. And do you know, I've had to cancel them all. Because the spin spin I put on it was like, oh, but I just won't go around the world. I just do quick little things here. To me, it's a huge lesson to pay attention when I get my downloads. I don't always understand the why, but I need to honor the message. And I'm going to tell you, I think we all get messages for our own paths in our own lives. And then we try to reason our way through it or make it fit in a way we want. And if we just surrender to the guidance, I think we'll be led in a really beautiful way. Oh, but it's so so hard. It's so hard, Laura Lynn. (laughs) True. So true. (laughs) Oh my gosh. This is so fascinating. And I I must share with our listeners that if you would like to learn more about Laura Lynn, her books, her workshops, her events, her readings, all you need to do is go to lauralynnjackson.com. And that's L-A-U-R-A-L-Y-N-N-E jackson j-a-c-k-s-o-n.com lauralynnjackson.com and you can also follow her on social media too i know that your abilities and your gifts are giving people an opportunity to live their best life in the here and the now and i can't thank you enough for being such a beautiful light in this world and joining me today oh thank you i'm just so honored to be in discussion with you and to have this space with you thank you so much for including me in your podcast happy to do so And I have to thank everybody who's tuning in today too, because it brings me great joy to share with all of you so many different ways that people are living their best life and honoring their gifts. And that's what Laura Lynn is doing. May you be inspired to do so as well. Until next time, be safe and be well. And thanks again for tuning in. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and fast twitch media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.